You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. You know, the State Patrol, they always have these uh, stories that are pretty interesting sometimes. And uh, the (laughs) State Trooper pulled over a lady who was driving down 26 at 25 miles an hour as she's heading out to the coast. And uh, because the traffic was being blocked and people were flying around her, pulled her over and there were four ladies in the car. Uh, They were uh, our wonderful golden-eared people. And he he says, uh, ma'am, you're only doing 25 miles an hour. And she says, yes. She says, that's right. She says, I always go at least one mile less than the speed limit. He said, speed limit? She said, yeah, we, we just passed a sign that said 26. So we're doing 25. And he, and he looked in the car, and <clears throat> these ladies looked pretty haggard. Some of them, you know, it's the, they, you know, like they had their knuckles were white and everything else. And he said, what, what's with all that? She said, oh, we just got off 99. Well, I want to talk to you this morning. We've, you know, a lot of the Bible is extremely practical in the ways we live, relationships and, and how we do things and uh, the way we the, 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 our lives and, and the style in which we live, all those things, very, very, very practical. However, a lot of that uh, could be written up for just good behavior, you know, manners, etc. Don't have to have anything done on a spiritual basis whatsoever. It's just good relationships. The Bible tells us the way God wants us to have relationship. But there's a lot of stuff that is very, very practical. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it is the spiritual side. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the spirit that God breathed into us that makes us different from all other living beings, that he has a spiritual connection. He said, uh, God took from the dust of the earth and formed man, and he breathed into him breath, or pneuma, the spirit, into man, and man became a living being. And it's that spiritual connection that we have with God. It's always been our connection with the Almighty. I'm looking for this. Excuse me. For, for the Almighty. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the spiritual connection between us and God. The spiritual connection between us and God. And I'm going to term that communication, or what we know as prayer. The Bible says, Pray without ceasing. Most of us think of prayers as an organized prayer of some kind or another. 
Rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. Whatever it is that you're <laughs> praying for, you have some kind of pattern, some kind of indication, some kind of thing, some kind of purpose that you're talking about. And what we don't really realize is prayer is not one way. Prayer is a two-way communication. And what we receive from the Lord is far more important than what we tell the Lord or ask the Lord. What we receive from him is far more important. When I was in sales, I once upon a time lived a life of sin in sales. I'm just kidding. But I, when I was learning in sales, they said, the one who talks the most loses. So if you're a salesman and you're just yap, 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 yapping, you're probably not going to make the sale. So what you want to do is let the other person talk. And the more they talk, the more likely it is that you'll be able to sell them. And so that was an interesting thought in my mind. And I thought, you know, I wonder if isn't that the same thing that is true with God? If we're always talk, talk, talking to God, when do we listen? You know, it's like if when I was a kid and uh, I wanted to borrow the car, if I went up to my dad and said, Dad, can I have the car because I'm going to go over to uh, with my friend's house and then we're going to go here and go there and we really need to buy, have the car. So can I have the car, please? Uh, you see, that all one way. Uh, that's not the best way for communication. The, the better communication is, do you have plans for the car? Wait for answer. <laughs> you want to hear from the other person. And so prayer should not be us just talking to God. Prayer should be God talking to us. There's a scripture that says, Be still and know that I am God. They that wait upon the Lord. Waiting. So when we think in terms of prayer, we need to rethink what is that? It is receiving from the Lord so that we may be able to do what pleases him. We are coming to him and ask, what plans do you have for me this day? Not what plans do I have I want you to bless. That's usually the way it is. Usually it says, I have a plan, would you make it happen? I have an idea, I would like you to carry it out. I know you can do it, so go ahead and do it. But that's not the relationship we want to have with God. The relationship we want to have with God is he speaks to us. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. So hearing from God is the most important part. So here's the, here's the thing. I want to talk to you about having confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. If you knew you could not fail, what would you be willing to do for Jesus? If you knew that you could not fail, what would you be willing to do for Jesus? Whatever he wanted. Right? Whatever you want, God, I'll be willing to do it. Here I am, 
send me. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift you up, prepare you, and use you. So if we know that God asks us to do something, and you're not going to fail at it, how much confidence would you have? I don't know about you, but I have a ton of confidence. Not confidence in me. I have confidence in him. It's he who is able to do exceedingly above all that I could ask or even think. God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or even think. In John, it says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Whatever. Wow. Really? Whatever? Does, does, God, does God really say whatever we ask? Is that what it says in the scripture? It does. Now, my son's a lawyer. And he tells me, read the fine print. <laughs> know your contract. David was actually that very, very gifted, and still is, very, very gifted in contracts. He understood that part of the law so well. Uh, in law school, he just, he, you know, his mother's a very smart person. And uh, so all three of our kids tested in the top percentage across the nation, in the 5 to 10 percentile of the, of the nation. Very, very, very smart. David, uh, after graduating from law school, first in his class for quite a while, uh, after graduating from law school, moved to Washington and took the bar exam, passed it on the first try, which is a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Passed it right, passed it right away. Smart kid. Smart, smart, smart kid. Then he ended up moving to Tennessee and took their bar exam and passed it. Now, in Tennessee, I guess it wasn't quite as hard. You had to know what two plus two was. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. But he says, you got to know what the contract was. So what was the contract? If what? If our hearts do not condemn us. That's the, that's the first part of the contract. That's the prerequisite to whatever else is going to be said. If, if, then. If, whatever. If, then, whatever. So we better figure that out. So the first thing we have to have is a clear conscience toward God. Our conscience needs to be clear. You want to have anything that's causing us problems. So for instance, we don't want to have uh, any sin in our life. Psalm uh, 139 tells us to ask God to search our heart and see if there's be any wicked way in us. You know, you know why you want God to search your heart? Because we 
are the best in the world at rationalization. We are the best there is at justifying what we want to believe in. We're really, really good at it. When I was uh, in sales and so forth, and uh, I wanted to get a boat, so I, I, in my mind, I, I was always worked with the church and I was working with the youth, and so uh, I said, uh, Denise, I think we should get a boat for the youth. And honestly, I, I really was believing that this was the case, because you know what? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, selfish. So as far as I was concerned, it was for the youth. You know, we're buying this, this boat for the youth. And I, and I did use it for the youth. I also went fishing in it and went, <laughs> did a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. I rationalize. Search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Ask God to reveal to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's any problem in your life. And then 1 John tells us, if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how much unrighteousness is that? All. At that point in your life, how much sin exists in your life? None. People say, can you ever reach sinless perfection? Sure. Can I stay there? That's another question. But I can get there I can get there to a relationship that's pure before the Lord. I can get there with no sin in my life because what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because he paid for every sin and, he, and all we have to do is confess it, believe and repent, be sorrowful, and then he wipes it out. So we want to make sure with a clear conscience that there's no sin in our life. And that's, that's not just sin of action. That can be sin of inaction. James writes, he who knows to do what is right and doesn't do it, that is sin. If you know you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, how about that? Sinning by not doing and it, it gets, you know, when you're a Christian, you get it from both sides. What you do and what you don't do, you can be sinning. A lot of sin out there. So you want to you do what's right. You wanna, so any action or inaction, you want to confess before the Lord and have it cleared. Also, we want to have reconciliation. Matthew says, before you give your sacrifice laid at the altar and go and take care of a relationship that you might have. That is not right. In other words, your hands need to be clean. Your conscience needs to be cleared. You can't be holding a grudge. You can't do that. 
you got to clear it. You wonder why that so many people are ineffective in praying. Well, there's lots of reasons. But one of them can be that you've got a grudge against somebody. You got a problem. You have a, somebody you cannot stand. You're disliking for them because of something they did. And you're holding it against them. Like that little girl that stole the cookie from me last week. <laughs> it's amazing. You would be amazed at what people have hung on to from other people that have done things to them. Stupid little stuff. But I'll never, I'll never let that person. I'm in, in, in. You can't have that and a clear conscience. Forgive us our faults, our debts, our sin, as we forgive others. You remember the parable of the who man who owed, let's just make an exaggeration, owed a million dollars to the king, and he said, I don't have it. Could you please have mercy on me? And the king forgave him the million dollars. But then somebody owed him $10. And he went to him and says, you pay the $10 and pay it up. If you don't, you're getting thrown in prison. <laughs> That's what God's talking about. He's forgiven you all your sins, and you won't forgive somebody one or two things against them. You can't do that. That is not a clear conscience. You need to have reconciliation. Clear it up. Take care of it. And then we come to the most important part. What is the motive? What's our motive behind what we ask? What's the motive behind what we ask? First of all, Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. What, what is that? That's ego, me first. But in lowliness of mind, let each regard others better than their own self. In other words, everybody has priority over you. You honor them above your own self. <clears throat> that does a lot right there when it talks about our motive in prayer. Are we praying that God gives us a brand new Cadillac? Is that really thinking of others first? I don't think so. If we're asking for our own behalf, asking for what we may gain, asking for what blesses us, asking for those things, that's hardly putting others first. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, God... When I was young, Superman was the, you know, the big thing. It was black and white in those days. But he could leap tall buildings in a single bound. Who disguised as Clark Kent, a mild matter reporter for the Metropolitan Newspaper, fought a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. 
able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And I said, Lord, if you'll make me Superboy, I was a kid at the time, I promise you, I won't run super fast, just fast enough they can't catch me. I, 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 I won't hurt anybody, but I'll just dominate. It's all for your glory. Because then I could be the greatest witness there is. The most popular guy on campus, sweeping women off their feet. Motive? Make me so that I can, and then you'll receive glory. Um, That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. But it sure was a good idea at the time. didn't happen. In fact, I was one of the slowest guys. I had one time I was in a race where we're running back the camp. I think it was lunchtime. And uh, I'm running as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, this girl goes, Whew! Where did she come from? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Who receives the glory? through the good work that you do. God does. God receives the glory. So let's look at this. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And here's here's really important. Who God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what I love about it. You do not work out your work schedule. God does. It's not up to you to decide what you're going to do for Jesus. You know? I was always trying to do something to please God when all I really had to do was obey God. I didn't have to try and figure out how I could please him, all I had to do is submit to him. All I had to do is be under his direction, under his guidance, under his leading. He sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the things that God wants to do. And so there's the works of men and the works of God. And and Jesus was out preaching and teaching and he healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out demons walked on water, did all these things. And you know what he says? The works I do are not mine, but my Father who is in heaven. The things that I'm doing here on earth are not my works, but God's works, that you will see the works of God and glorify God, turn to God. Recognize, honor God. These are the works of God being performed through me, the servant of God. Because I left the realms of glory. And did not consider equality with God something to hang on to. But I was made lower than even the angels. So that coming in human likeness of man. 
I might humble myself and do the works that God had planned for me to do. To do the things God has led me to do. And you'll see that as you read through the Gospels. It's not time yet. It's not up for me. Not up to me. He's got to follow his Father in heaven because that's what it's all about. Jesus said, I can do, I, I of myself can do how much? Nothing. I do, seek, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus is our example. He's one who showed how God can act through human flesh. How Emmanuel, God in us, God in the person, can change things. How God's power can be given through humans who are sold out to him and who are following his lead. Therefore, whatever God asks us to do, we do. Because God is the one who is the creator of everything, every good thing. And he's already prepared in advance the things that we ought to be doing. We need to find out what do you have for me today? I often get asked, uh, what's your plans for today? I hate that question. I really do. Because I, I can start planning out. And there's a real temptation for me to set the agenda. There's a, real, there's a real desire for me to be in control. We like being in control. I, I like being in control. You probably don't. But I like to be in the driver's seat. Denise is a great driver. But I'd rather be in the driver's seat. I'd rather be in charge. I'd rather be knowing what's going on, having control of things, than not. So when somebody says, what's... What do you have planned for the day? It sounds kind of bad when you say, I don't know, whatever God has planned for me. Because it sounds like a cop-out, doesn't it? Sounds like, well, you don't, you don't know what you're doing? Well, that's true. I don't know what I'm doing, period. So <laughs> that's just a foregone conclusion. I don't know what I'm doing. But have we ever thought, I'm not in charge of my life? See, I've been bought with a price, the price that Jesus paid on the cross. I'm no longer my own. You see, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet it's not me or I who's living, but now Christ who lives in me. Everything needs to come from him. He's the vine. I'm just a branch. I receive from him. Of myself, I can do nothing. I'm like the moon. In the sense that the moon has no light of its own. The moon is totally dependent upon the light of the sun shining on it and it reflecting the sun. I'm a moon. I'm not a sun. 
I'm not a star. I'm a moon. I can only reflect the light of God. Let your light so shine before man. What light? I am the light of the world. Who said? Jesus. We want to reflect the power of God in people's lives. What's any difference between a church and a social club without the light of God? Can you do good things? I mean, rock stars have held concerts to feed the hungry. Organizations have banded together to help the sick. There's all kinds of social action that's out there. Lots of things can be done. But God has a plan. And he has a way in which he does things. And guess what? His ways are not our ways. And our ways certainly aren't his ways. <laughs> Most people think, I'm just not good enough. I, I'm not good at that. I, I don't do good at that. Good. The worse you're at it, the better you have a chance of God doing something for you because you can't do it. Give me the task that's impossible, and when it happens, I know it wasn't me. I know it was God. When you're first going through this and you hear God speaking to you, sometimes there's, there's questions. I'll give you an example. Our, our Monday night uh, group has already had discussion on this. So some examples I'm going to give, they've already heard. But most of them have Alzheimer's, so they'll forget anyway. So here we go. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Because my illustrations are so good, even people with memory problems remember. <laughs> All right. So I was at a retirement home, and I would go there. Pastors are called upon to do different things, different places. And this was a retirement home. And so I would go once a month and I would go minister there. I would take my songbook and I would sing to them and I would give them a devotional. I'm on my way home from that. And all of a sudden, a, a thought came to my mind about one of the people in our church. The, the church that we went down to in Orange, there were uh, 15 regular attenders. Huge church gigantic church. Uh, and so God was going to have to build that church. Bottom line. They were in trouble. They had all kinds of problems. That's why they were down to 15. And uh, so, but the lady who was in charge, the treasurer, uh, really nice lady, she, uh, she ha had a daughter who uh, really wasn't walking with the Lord, but certainly knew of the Lord. And uh, she had walked out of the post office and slipped on a stair and broke her back. And so she was going to have to go in for surgery uh, on her back. And she had related this story to me. And on my way home, I had this thought come to my mind, go pray for Lois Ronenberg. And... Uh, I thought, no. 
I don't know her. She doesn't go to church. Don't even know she's a Christian. Uh, I, I, you know, I've got a church. I got to get built. I got, you know, I, I, I have to do everything, you know, clean the toilets, <laughs> whatever is necessary. Make the bulletin, call on people, do all the stuff. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a nice thought. And so I, I continued on, and the thought came again. Go pray. Go, you should go pray for Lois. Now, my wife Denise will tell you that of all the strengths I have, the one that I don't have a huge strength in is making lots of calls. I don't like making hospital calls. By the way, neither does she. I'll tell you this story. There is a lady who's in the hospital, so I took Denise with me. And we got into the room, and the person in the next bed over is going, <laughs> It was a horrid sound. And she just kept on going, so Denise finally left the room. Because hospitals, there's sick people in them. You know? Second of all, I like humor. And I, I one of my first visits, I went in the person that had surgery, and, I, and my, my only thing was to cheer them up and get them laughing. I got them laughing, that broke their stitches. <laughs> Not good, you see. Me in hospitals. Another time, had to go see uh, Ethel Muckensnabel. Now, all I had was the name, not the pronunciation. Now, can you imagine Munkensnabel? And so I, she's in intensive care, and I said, can I see Ethel Munkensnabel? What? Ethel I don't know how to pronounce it. It was terrible, embarrassing. I just have a hard time doing those kind of calls. So, you know, these, these, especially with people you don't know, you don't know them from Adam. What are you supposed to do? Call them up and say, I'm supposed to pray for you. You know, that's going to work. So I'm having this conversation, and I'm arguing with myself about whether or not I should go pray. And then all of a sudden, I stopped and I actually thought logically for a second. Say, I don't want to do this. Where's this thought coming from? It's not coming from me. It's not my thought. And then I realized where it was coming from. And immediately, almost in an amazing manner, I said, oh, oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't be arguing with you. Which in turn, I think he just chuckled. About time you figured it out. God's loving God. You know, he's not going to, well, I was waiting for you, stupid idiot. That's not God. You know, okay, now you got it. So I went over to see Dorothy, the mother, to find out how I get the address or the phone number, whatever. And I got over there, and I'm thinking, okay, now you got you to put this in the placement that it's in. It is a Quaker church that I'm at. Quakers were uh, quiet, unassuming, you know, very gentle, all those things. But they never, they never do weird stuff. What, what was considered weird stuff? Let me put it that way. So how was I supposed to go up to her and say, 
Um, I need to pray for your daughter because God told me. I, I just couldn't approach it that way exactly. Didn't, it should today it had no problem, but back then I didn't know how to do it. So I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I knock on the door. She lets me in. She's working on this toaster, and I said, good. Now I have something. I said, let me help you with that toaster. And I'm trying to figure out, now, how am I going to approach this? How was your day? And as I'm talking with her, preparing to ask her, someone knocks at the door. She goes and answers the door. And who do you think is at the door? Her daughter, Lois, who is going in the hospital the next day and was dropping off some things at her mother's house. When she walked in the door and she said, hi, Lois, I said, okay. I get it. I don't have to work at making things happen. You already knew she was on the way over to the house. You already knew I was going to be at that house, and you know that you set that all up. It wasn't by coincidence or accident. God had a plan. So now I'm feeling a little bit more bold. And I said to to Lois, I said, I understand you're having back surgery tomorrow. She said, yes. I said, well, I'm the pastor. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And she said, sure, no problem. At which her mother took a step back. I said, what's wrong with her? I said, that's fine. Sat her down in a chair. And it wasn't our custom to uh, touch people uh, when we prayed for them. We just would pray for them. But for some reason, I felt moved just to place my hand on her shoulder and begin praying. I don't remember any of the prayer. I'm I'm going to guess that I start out with their Heavenly Father. But from there on in, I have no idea. And I began to pray and way out of my comfort zone or normality, I found myself running my hand down her back. I must have been saying, Lord, touch the spine and heal it. That's, what I, that's all I can guess. And we finished the prayer and she got up and left and Dorothy says to me, I can't believe it. I said, what? She said, she never lets anybody pray for her and she will not let anybody touch her. I mean, I literally went like this. I thought, oh my goodness, I did both. I did what she never lets anybody do, and I ran my hand down her back. Whoa! Well, I tried to recover from that, went home. Don't know what's going on or anything. The next day, Dorothy calls me on the phone and she said, It's a miracle. I said, what? She said, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? She said, Lois went in for the surgery. They prepped her for surgery, and they asked for the x-rays. They took x-rays before the surgery. They prepped her for surgery. She's got anesthesia. They bring the x-rays in, and he slaps the x-rays up on those screens, you know. And uh, he looked at him. He said, no, no. He said, these aren't Lois Ronenberg's x-rays. They said, we guarantee you, it's Lois Rodman's x-rays. He said, let me show you something. He slapped it up there, and he says, here's the old one. See this problem? we got a break here. See this? There's no break. 
They said, that is her x-rays. God healed her. Miraculously. So she says, she was healed miraculously. I didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. I mean, I wanted to do it if that was the outcome. Right? If I knew she's going to get healed, then I wanted to do it. And why would that be? I've got confidence. If God's going to do it, I've got confidence. Who receives all the glory when you know it's not you? I'm not a physician. I couldn't do anything. Who receives the glory? I'll tell you who receives the glory. God received the glory. And that began in this little church, a whole slew of events that happened as God opened up the spiritual connection. And she told her cousin, and her cousin came to church because her son had been riding in a pickup in the uh, middle of California, fell out of the pickup, hit his head, went into a coma. Been in a coma for three weeks, almost died, almost pronounced him dead three times. And they were wanting to bring him from up there down to Southern California where all the people were because they heard that when you're in a coma, having friends and family could help stimulate that they might hear you and they might come out of the coma. So they, they paid for an air ambulance, but they wouldn't release him. And they just said, would you please pray that they release him to come down to Southern California? So she was there Sunday night asking for prayer. So I went to pray and I heard this thought. Don't tell me what to pray for. Because normally when somebody says, would you pray for a specific thing, right? They're kind of expecting you to pray for that. And they say, would you pray that they, that they release them to go in the air ambulance? You're going to say, dear God, would you release them to go in the air ambulance? God said, don't do that. So once again, I don't remember the prayer. I just prayed. <clears throat> but basically what I said was, God, you're in charge. You can do all things. We trust in you. Next morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, this, this is a, a Monday morning. Uh, I'm not an early riser. I am now, but I didn't used to be. This is when I was younger. And, she, and on the phone was, was the, the grandmother who had asked for prayer. She could, she could barely speak. She said, you won't believe it, you won't believe it. So, you know, these are fairly close together couple weeks apart, so I'm still not believing things anyway, so I, I said, no, what, what happened? She said, last night, about the same time you were praying, Danny came out of the coma, woke up, and was fully alert, and at first, he was very hungry, and he wanted to eat something. As soon as they pulled the tubes from his throat, 
He says, I need to talk to grandma. <laughs> grandma who asked for the prayer. And uh, you can't, because of what your gag mechanism, if three weeks with something down your throat, you don't get your gag mechanism right away. You can't have solid food. But they gave him jello, he ate it fine, and next thing you know, two days later, he was on the plane home, fully healed, walking as normal as can be. I didn't do it. God did it. This is what I'm talking about. Now, would I have confidence if I knew the outcome? Let me at it. We'll get him home. That's, that would be me. So God doesn't let me know what the outcome's going to be. <laughs> I'm too egotistical. Not a good thing. But God wants to do good works which he already has planned in advance for you to do. Because we're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for that very purpose. Created for the good works that he already has planned in advance. You get the idea? For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Where do you get the power? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive dunamis. That word dunamis means miraculous power. You carry within you miraculous power, and you don't even know it. It just needs to be released. You can't release it. God can release it. And he will release it. And you're able to do things that you could never do of yourself because you are under God's leadership and direction. So let me ask you the question. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you be willing to do for Jesus? If you had confidence, you couldn't fail because you know he asked you to do it. And he may ask you to do something that makes absolutely no sense to you whatsoever. You have no context for it. You have no way of relating to it. You don't know what's going on. You think it's a weird thought. You think that you've been drinking your bath water. You think that something's wrong here. But if you will trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge him, he's going to direct your path. He will lead. He will guide. He will do. It's fun when you're working for the Lord under his direction, under his power, under his might. Because nothing is up to you but obedience. Nothing is up to you but faith, trust, believing, believing, 
The problem is most of us don't believe that that's possible. And all I can tell you is it's possible. We watched miracle after miracle after miracle. Got a lady sitting in the back here who has a, has a daughter, who now has a daughter, and she wasn't supposed to have children. She has a daughter, now she has a granddaughter. Why? God! When are we going to get out of the mundane, everyday life and step into the spiritual reality of a God who wants to be seen through you? You're the only Jesus some may ever see. You're the only one where the light may come through. And I will tell you, people can argue philosophical arguments left and right. They can argue them. They do argue them all the time. What they can't argue with is miracles of God that have no explanation outside of God. We had a lady come one and she said, my friend has a headache and she's had it, it's ongoing, you know, those sick headaches that you have. And she wants to know, you know, could, could, could God heal her? Uh, God can. Be up to him. Well, she's asking if, if we'll pray for her. Okay, whatever we ask, if our hearts do not condemn us, and it's not for me, but it's for her, and it's not my will, but his will be done, then I can pray, Father, if it's your will, would you touch this one for your glory? For what? For the glory of God. Not for the pain relief, which is a secondary thing, but that you might receive honor and glory, that you might be seen as a power, as a witness, as the light. Next day, she came and said, did, did you guys pray for me? She said, yeah. She said, I had a headache. A week later, I haven't had a headache in a week. You know, you, that must be real. Huh? Think? You think? You can argue philosophically forever, but you're not going to change the mind of that person that God reached out and touched them. Why rely on your own abilities when God has so, so much more to offer us if we will but come and yield? Now remember, check with my son. You got to know the contract. It doesn't just happen. The Bible is not some magic lamp that you rub three times and things happen. That's not the way it works. Your relationship with God is the most important thing. I'll say it again. Your relationship with God is the most important thing. If your relationship with God is not there, then you will not experience those things. But if your relationship is right with God, then God can use you and will and wants to and has a prepared bunch of things 
for you to do. Father, we come to you right now in this time of thinking and contemplating. Certainly want to be under your direction. And when we're not, we have to live in our own strength. We have to do what we think is best. We have to try and be things that we may or may not be able to do. Most times, not. But we come to you this morning and, and just ask that we might receive a touch from you. That your spirit is working within us. That your spirit is beckoning to us, pleading with us, calling us, asking us, Come, come and release. Let go of all those things. Let go of your doubts. Let go of the things that you don't understand. But just receive. Come and receive from what the Lord has, for what the Lord has for you this morning. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.